Welcome to the Valley Brook Community Church Podcast, and thank you for joining us online today. You're about to hear a message from our series on the book of Ephesians. To watch any of our previous messages or find all listening platforms, we encourage you to visit www.valleybrook.cc forward slash on demand. Enjoy! Well, good morning, everybody here in the room, as well as everybody online. We're glad you're here. We're in the middle of this series on the book of Ephesians, and I'm going to start off this morning just uh, sharing a story with you, a story that some of you are aware of, that you lived through, uh, but you may not know all the details, but I just, I want to share with you a little bit of history about Valley Brook. It was in the year of 2006, uh, our leadership team, our elders, Uh, knew that uh, this six-year-old church called Valley Brook needed to begin to become serious about raising the money that would be needed to build a home, a a church building. Uh, We did some work. We got some estimates. Uh, We were told it would cost about six and a half million dollars. And I remember seriously, as the elder board and I said, you know, we we need to have a a campaign, a campaign to to raise faith and to raise funds. And uh, we had a, uh, a leader in our congregation, uh, Joanne Perry. She's a certified public accountant. She worked with the IRS. She's really great with finances. And so we asked Joanne if she would help lead this faith and fundraising campaign. And I remember sitting down with Joanne, and we just began to talk about the vision of what this would look like and the vision of what God wanted for Valley Brook. And somewhere along the way, I remember her saying that, just imagine what God is going to do. And that word imagine just sort of stuck. It's like, oh. And so we we called this faith and fundraising campaign, the Imagine Campaign. And I remember not soon, not long after that, I, I, I said, you know, there's, there's a verse in the Bible. There, there's somewhere in the Bible where, where it says something significant about what imagining God would do. And, and so, I, you know, I pulled out my study books and I, and I looked and sure enough, I found that verse that I was thinking of. And it's from the book of Ephesians, chapter 3, where we're going to be today. And in the contemporary English version, this became our theme verse for that faith and fundraising campaign. It says this, his power at work in us can do far more than we dare ask or imagine. Just think that through. His power at work in us can do far more than we dare ask or imagine. In fact, in chapter 3, as it comes to an end, that's actually a benediction, a final blessing that the Apostle Paul writes. And I'm going to read it in the New International Version. This is what he writes. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we all ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever Amen. So, to call this Imagine campaign purely a fundraising campaign is a misnomer. Yes, we did want to raise money so we could build a building for our church to meet in because we've been renting in school buildings and that came with kind, all kinds of limitations. Most, but most importantly, we recognized that this wasn't a fundraising campaign only. More importantly, it was a faith-raising campaign. We wanted people to grow in their faith and trust that God could do far more than we could ask or imagine. 
We wanted to help people become disciples of Jesus, or as I like to say, become fully devoted followers of Jesus. And we wanted to reach more people with the good news of Jesus. And just like we were a church plant, a church that was started, we wanted to start other new churches. So as a congregation, we launched that faith campaign, and since that day, we've seen God do far more than we could dare ask or imagine. Since the end of 2006, we've seen 528 people come to faith in Jesus. And in that time, we have celebrated with 250 people who were baptized as a testimony of their faith in Jesus. We've helped start or fund four new churches. We've raised up at least, to my knowledge, nine leaders who have gone into full-time ministry. We've sent dozens and dozens of people on mission trips, 25 trips by my count. And God only knows the number of people who have taken next steps in their faith and their lives are changed forever because we dared to ask God to do something. You know, in those 17 years, God has done far more than we could ask or imagine. Through your generosity, we've given over a million dollars to mission work around the world and in the area. Since I mentioned dollars, you're probably wondering how we did towards raising capital for that future $6.5 million building. Well, the people of Valley Brook were very generous in sacrificial ways, and while we raised over a million dollars, we were obviously unable to start building on the land that we owned over on Route 10 in Granby, but we trusted that God could do far more than we could ask or imagine. And so we kept following God, and we kept helping people come to faith and to grow in their faith. And in the summer of 2013, God proved again that he could and would do far more than we would ask or imagine. When he moved a couple, a husband and a wife, who uh, had no real ties to Valley Brook, to donate this 80-acre campus and this 42,000-square-foot building and an 8,000-square-foot mansion and all the other buildings to become the home of Valley Brook. Now, I still remember the day that uh, that became real, and I called Joanne. She happened to be up in Massachusetts on uh, 495, and I said, uh, Joanne, you're never going to believe it, but God has done far more than we could dare ask or imagine. And she was excited, and obviously we were excited. We were excited when we shared that with the congregation. And, it, you know, it was an extravagant gift that only God could orchestrate, and yes, it was far more than we ever imagined or even asked for. The gift of this campus is, honestly, it's mind-blowing and it's amazing. It's not, it's not lost on me. Every day I drive on this campus, it's like, God, you have done something that I never in my wildest dreams prayed. Now, let me tell you, as a church planter, I prayed those kinds of dreams, but I never imagined this, okay? But... The most important thing that God has done through Valley Brook is not this. I mean, this is, this is something that we all see and something that uh, amazes us, but it's not the most important thing that God's ever done. The most important thing that God has done through Valley Brook isn't one thing. It's thousands of important things that have happened through God doing more than each one of us could imagine in our individual lives. 
So yes, it's a person who decides to believe in and follow Jesus, but it's also someone who's far from God accepting your invitation to come to a service or an event where they hear about the God who loves them so much that he would willingly be crucified on a cross to secure their salvation. And yes, it's a person deciding to obey Jesus' commandment to be baptized, but it's also a person deciding to follow what the Bible teaches about giving financially or about staying sexually pure, about all of the other things that Scripture tells us as followers of Jesus to do. And yes, it's, it's when someone decides to enter full-time ministry or mission work, but it's also a person deciding to use their time and their talent to serve God and others in one of our ministries here at Valley Brook or that we support around the area. You see, when you or I take a step of faith to follow Jesus and his teaching to bless another person, to care, to listen to others, to serve them, to right a wrong, to restore a broken relationship, to make a spiritual promise, to share with someone about what Jesus means to you, to keep a commitment or to do anything in obedience to God, those things are more than we could have imagined at that time. And so the focus on Ephesians 3 is not about this huge, head-turning, miraculous gift of this campus that we were given, but it's about a God who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power and work in each of our lives. So I want us to look back into the third chapter of Ephesians. And I want us to see how that each of our lives are immeasurably more than we ever thought they were. And I want us to look at what Paul prays. Now, in the first part of the chapter of chapter three, he, he explains how the Gentiles, the non-Jews, were brought into the, the family of uh, Judaism, how that was part of God's people. And he explains that. But then he prays this prayer at the end of the chapter. And the first thing he prays is that he prays that we would be strengthened with power from the Holy Spirit. He prays a prayer for every Christ follower that is in line with what God wants for all of us. And this is how he starts it. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Now, just a reminder, Jesus promised his followers then and he promises his followers today that he would send his Holy Spirit to be with us, the, the Spirit of God. And he tells us in the Gospel of John that the Spirit will be our teacher, our guide, and our comforter. Now, these verses aren't going to be on the screen, but I, but I want you to just grasp what Jesus said about the one who would come so that Christ could continue to dwell in our hearts through faith. In the 14th chapter of John, Jesus says this, the Holy Spirit will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. So there's our teacher. In John 16, he tells us that the spiritual truth will guide you into all truth. So there's the Holy Spirit who's our guide. 
And again, going back to John 14, a little later on, Jesus promises saying, I will ask the Father and he will give you another comforter and he will be with you. He will never leave you. He will live with you and be in you. So there's the Holy Spirit, our comforter. Give you a little bit of uh, ancient Greek. The, the ancient Greek word that we uh, um, translate as comforter is pronounced parakletos, paraclete in English, parakletos. And you'll see, if you look at this in different translations, that translators look at the breadth of what the parakletos means. And so some translate it as comforter, some as advocate, some as counselor, some as helper. One scholar explains the word parakletos this way. It means one called alongside of another. And it carries a secondary notion concerning the purpose of that calling alongside of someone. And that purpose is to counsel them, to support that person who needs it. The comforter. So why did Jesus send the Holy Spirit to be our teacher, our guide, and our comforter? Because Jesus wanted to fill us with the power that we would need to have to be the church in a world, in a culture that is the exact opposite of what the body of Christ is supposed to be. In other words, we would need power to live countercultural, to go against the flow of what the world continually puts out. Before he ascended into heaven, Jesus said to his followers, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And then Jesus goes on to tell them the reason he give the, gave them this power. He tells them, I'm giving you this power because you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. Jesus is saying, I'm giving you this power through the Spirit to be the church and to build the church. And I'm not talking about a physical building. I'm talking about humans being followers of Jesus. Jesus is saying, I'm giving you this power through the Spirit to be the church, the body of Christ. And now this falls in line with the sentiment that Jesus prayed to, about his followers then and about us today. And you find it in John 17. Again, this isn't going to be on the screen, but I, I just want you to take in. These are Jesus' prayers, his very words for you and me, for every Christ follower since the day he prayed this prayer. He said, I have given them your word and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth, and you sent me into the world. As you have sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. It's from this prayer where Christians get the phrase that we're supposed to be in the world, but not of the world. So Paul prays that we will be strengthened with the power of the Holy Spirit so we can be the church, the body of Christ, which exists in the world, but does not embrace 
the values of the world. So now we see why Paul prays for what God wants for us. He wants God to strengthen us in the power of the Holy Spirit so that as the church, we can live out our faith in following Christ in a world that needs to know that but hasn't embraced that message. Now, this is just part of what Paul prays. The next part of his prayer, he prays that we would be rooted and established in love. Let's look at what he wrote. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ and to know the love that surpasses knowledge. I want to focus on Paul's prayer that God wants us to be rooted and established in love. I was listening to a podcast last week by a pastor, John Mark Comer, and in that conversation, he went in the direction of talking about the moral failure of Christian leaders, and he shared an illustration from an interesting book. The name of the book, you may know it, The Hidden Life of Trees, all right? And what he shared helps us understand Paul's prayer for us, that we be rooted and established in love. So John Mark Comer points out that as trees grow larger and up into the sky, uh, they have to grow deeper into the forest floor with their roots established to be an anchor of support. And he pointed out that in the forest, when a mature tree with a huge canopy of branches and with a base that's rooted and established in the soil, when it dies or when it's cut down, all of those little saplings around that big mature tree respond. And in in unusual ways, they, with that extra light and that extra access to nutrients and minerals in the soil, they shoot up and they, they grow extraordinarily fast, shooting up to the sky. But there's a problem. They're not growing down deep in the soil. Their roots are not being established. They're not rooted and established in the soil. And so when a huge windstorm comes by, they blow over and die. That's what Paul is getting at. He's praying that we would be rooted and established in God's love. He's praying for us that we would have a solid base, a firm foundation, knowing that we are loved beyond anything that we can comprehend. He's praying that we would have the ability to understand how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of God in Christ for us. That we would know God's love for us that is so great that in some ways it surpasses our understanding of how a holy God could love sinful people. He wants us to know that so that our roots Our foundation is established. The reason that Paul prays for us to be rooted and established in love is because that's where our relationship with God begins in knowing that we are loved. God's love for us is deep and wide. It is high and long. And God's love for us is unconditional. In other words, we don't have to do anything to be loved by God. He just loves us. Quite frankly, because we are sinners and our sin offends God, 
We don't deserve God's love. But that's not what the Bible tells us. The Bible tells us that God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Once we begin to understand how much we are loved by God and our hearts turn toward God, we seek to know him. And the more we know God and the more we know our own unlovable nature, the deeper our love gets rooted and established. And the deeper our understanding of God's love goes, the more our faith grows and the more we seek to love and serve God with all that we are out of love for God. The more we want to bless God, the more we want to bless others by sharing with them what we've found in Christ, the more we want to embrace the truth that God has called us to be part of the beloved community, the church, the body of Christ. And the more we recognize that being the church means embracing God more and not embracing the culture of the world more, the deeper we're rooted and established. And that's why Paul prays for us, that we would be rooted and established in the love of God in Christ. I've said this before, folks. We have to take this seriously. What you take in, what you read, what you listen to is forming you. It's forming your mind. It's forming your values. So you need to take in God's word and God's truth and God's value much more than you're taking in the media, and the messaging of the world. Paul prays for one more thing. He prays that we would be filled with the fullness of God. Specifically, he says, I pray that you may be filled with the measure of all the fullness of God. Now, this is a prayer for our spiritual maturity. It's a prayer that we would become the man of God or the woman of God that God desires for us to be. Now, let me be clear. You and I will never arrive at some mystical state of spiritual perfection. That's not going to happen, folks, because we're sinners. But being filled to the measure of the fullness of God is about being a fully devoted follower of Jesus. And Paul prays that we will continue to pursue God with all that we are. He's praying that we will grow up and move from drinking spiritual milk to eating the food of a mature and growing follower of Jesus. He calls it meat. He's praying that we would learn to feed ourselves from God's word and God's truth. He's praying that we would take the time to know God and grow with God by doing the things that will help us grow in knowledge, but also in a relationship with God. He's praying that you and I would know that God has blessed us so that we wouldn't just take the blessing and keep it for ourselves, but that we would bless others with the blessing, serving them like Jesus has served us, sharing with them what Jesus means to us, caring for them the way Jesus cares for us, because we are the messengers of the message of Christ. The final part of this prayer is a, is a prelude to uh, what Paul's going to go into in the next chapter. So we're not going to go any further than that. But it's about us growing up and becoming mature in Christ. Now, 
As I began this message talking about God's power at work in us so that we can do far more than we could ask or imagine, God wants those things for us. He wants us to be strengthened and empowered through the Holy Spirit. He wants us to be rooted and established in his love, and he wants us to be filled with the fullness of God. Now, as I say this, it's important that we understand that he wants that for us, but he's not going to make it happen for us by some sleight of hand. And if you wonder why, it's because while God wants this for us, he knows we have to want it for ourselves also. And he also knows that we have to be willing to pursue the things of God instead of the things of this world. You know, think about it this. Think about it this way. What happens when you have a dream or a goal that you want to pursue and someone comes along and because of their power or their influence or their money, they make that dream or that goal come true for you. When that happens, when you pursue something that you invest your life in it and it has value and then someone unexpectedly drops it in your lap, it may be exciting, but the personal investment, the personal significance and meaning is not the same because you aren't pouring yourself into it. What God wants for us happens out of a relationship with God. And that's why God just doesn't make it happen. It's a relationship. Now, some of you are sort of putting together what I said at the beginning of the message and what I just said. And you're saying, well, wait a minute, didn't God just drop this campus into our laps at Valley Brook? Well, if you ignore the first 13 years prior to this campus being given to us, Yes, it does look like God just dropped it into our lap. But to ignore that would mean it would ignore all the years of praying that we did about our next steps and about asking God to be our provider and not having a clear answer to those prayers. But we persisted. And it ignores that for 15 years, every Sunday, week in and week out, we drove a trailer full of equipment, and at 7 a.m. on a Sunday morning, we unloaded all that equipment and turned a school into a church, and just four hours later, we loaded all that equipment back up into a trailer until the next weekend. And it ignores all the sacrificial financial gifts and offerings that were given and the frustration we felt of still not being able to build a building, but we prayed continually. And week in and week out, we created a church and a school every weekend. And we gave our time and our talent and our treasure sacrificially. So when we were blessed with this campus, yes, we were blown away with excitement. We were amazed at what God had done, that only God could do, that it was far more than we could dare ask or imagine. But we also realized that he didn't bless it for us just to become, as a friend used to say, fat, dumb, and happy. He blessed us to be a blessing. It's not about us. It's about what he wants to do through us. 
So God wants to do far more than you or I can ask or imagine in our individual lives, but also in our corporate lives, because together we are the church, we're the body of Christ, and he wants to do more through us. So that's why Paul prays that we'd be strengthened in the power of the Holy Spirit, that we would be rooted and established in God's love, and that we would be filled to the fullness of God. This is a pathway that he calls us to follow that is deep and rich in a relationship with God. And it takes persistence. It takes following him and pursuing him every day, just like any other relationship you're in takes. It takes you pursuing God because God has so much for you. And we want to help you find that. So as I bring this message to a close, I do want to pray that we would be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, rooted and established in love, and filled to the fullness of God, and that we would pursue that continually in our lives. So if you would, bow your heads and let's pray. God, we thank you for your love and your care for us. We thank you that you can do far more than we dare ask or imagine. And so, Lord, we ask that you would fill us with the power of your Holy Spirit. We ask that you would help us be rooted and established in love. And we ask that you would help us be filled to the fullness of you as fully devoted followers of Jesus. Not perfect, but fellow followers, imperfect, sinful people seeking to follow a merciful and loving holy God. I pray this in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. It is our sincere hope that it has blessed you. For more information, visit our website at www.valleybrook.cc.